Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Of course, these are the words of Christ, just beautiful, wonderful words. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, today we long for rest for our souls in this weary world. I pray that you would help us to take these words to heart. Help us to see and to understand what it was for Jesus to be gentle. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, The Power of Gentleness. The Power of Gentleness. That, that may sound like what we call an oxymoron. How can gentleness be powerful? But it can be. Are you gentle? If you say yes, you're probably not gentle and you probably have trouble giving, telling the truth. There are some people who are gentle, but most of us struggle with that. I find myself at times being very gentle and other times not gentle little enough or not gentle at all. It depends on whether I'm watching the news. But we struggle with that in our world and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Are you gentle? Pastors are not always known for their gentleness. I'm not alone because many of us talk too long or preach too loud. On the other hand, some people are not always very gentle with their pastors either. Now, you guys are great, by the way. But I heard about a minister who received a note from an 11-year-old boy that said, I liked your sermon on Sunday, especially when it was finished. <laughs> a little girl became restless as the preacher's sermon dragged on and on. Finally, she leaned over to her mother and whispered, If we give him the money now, will he let us go? Another pastor stood up to preach his very first sermon as a young pastor. He was so frightened that he could hardly speak. But he had prepared a good long message, so he kept plodding through it. And after a few minutes, a man on the back row yelled from the back, We can't hear you back here. The pastor tried to preach louder, but a couple of minutes later, that same man called out again, We can't hear you. Oh, the young preacher was pretty rattled by that. He tried a little harder, but he was really nervous at this point. Finally, the man on the back stood up and he shouted, We can't hear a thing you're saying. Uh, country church, obviously. Then just uh, at that point, another man who was up on the front row stood up and turned around and said, What are you complaining about? Just sit down and be thankful. <laughs> are you gentle? Today I want you to notice a few very important things about the spiritual gift of gentleness. The first thing you have to know or to remember is that Jesus was gentle. Jesus was gentle. This is really remarkable given the fact that John chapter 1 beginning in verse 1 tells us that through Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus, all things were made. All things were created. That is, 
Jesus created you and me. He created the universe. And so here we have the creator of the universe, somebody with that kind of power who still was gentle. Are you gentle? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, our passage for today that I read to you a while ago, this call from Jesus who says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. First, you need to notice this. This is a call from Jesus. He doesn't ever say, stay where you are, and I will go to you. I know that great hymn, Just As I Am, and there is theological truth to that, that is, just as we are in all of our brokenness and all of our sin, God will forgive us and redeem us, but he calls us to come to him. I've often shared with you the story of the prodigal son, and the father knew right where his son was, of course, all the time. He knew he was in town squandering his inheritance and living a life of sin. But the father, even though he loved his son, didn't go into town and get his son. He waited until his son chose to come home. And so Jesus is calling us in this passage, come to me. It's an invitation, but we must respond. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Weary and burdened is a perfect description of our world. It's a perfect description of our nation. I think as a people, we're exhausted. And it's a perfect description of you and me. We need rest. You know, Jesus, excuse me, not Jesus, excuse me, Elvis saying this famous, that's why I was a blunder, bless his heart. Elvis sang this favorite song, famous song, and it was his favorite song, he said, that was called Peace in the Valley. And it talks about how one day we will have peace. And I hate, I always say, I hate to think that the only way that you can, I can have peace and rest is to die. <laughs> Well, Jesus is here calling us and saying, look, I offer you rest. And then he says in verse 29, and I love this about the Bible, he explains a little bit of how you and I can have rest. He says this, take my yoke upon you, me, excuse me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now the yoke, because we don't have a lot of oxen, I, I doubt that you own many oxen or any, but the yoke that he's talking about was a, 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 a visual application from real life that in the first century, every reader knew exactly what he was talking about. They saw oxen plowing in the fields all the time. My only frame of reference really is the Philippines. I've been there a number of times and they still have oxen there. They have water buffalo and they'll use those water buffalo perhaps to plow fields or whatever they do, pull carts or pull whatever with water buffalo. I assume that they do that, but I can understand in order to do that, they had to put a yoke on them and they pull the load. And not every oxen there or anywhere has the same load. Some loads are worse than others. And Jesus actually says this, come unto me all you who are weary and burdened. He's talking about the yoke and I will give you Rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. 
You and I are under a yoke the Bible describes as sin. It is the yoke of this world, and it is a heavy yoke in a dark place. And Jesus says, I tell you what, my yoke is different. My yoke is light and will give you rest. Why don't you and I trade yokes? Because that's what Christ did on the cross. He took our sins. He took our burden. He took our heaviness, our yoke in this dark world, and he replaced it with his own. It's a call to salvation here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then in the middle of all of this offer, offering to us, this calling to us, he makes this description of himself, this beautiful description. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, for an oxen in the first century, or any century for that matter, if they had a heavy load to carry, their tendency would be to not carry it, would not to go, be to not go forward, to just stand there. And so the person that was in charge of the oxen would have to motivate the oxen to go forward to pull that heavy yoke. And what they would do is they would hit them with a whip to get them to go forward. And the heavier the yoke was, or the heavier the load was, the more he would have to beat them to motivate them to move forward. And Jesus says, I want you to know though, I am not like that. You won't be repressed by me. You won't be oppressed by me. On the contrary, I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest. Jesus did not ride into Jerusalem on a white stallion with his heavenly army behind him to roll over the Roman Empire and everyone who opposed him. He could have done that, but he didn't. He came in on a, a donkey, humble and gentle. He could have conquered with an iron fist easily, but he did just the opposite. When he was falsely arrested and falsely accused at this mock trial or these four mock trials he had during the night, he said nothing, did nothing except what was gentle. He could have lashed them all with his tongue and his wisdom. He could have called down angels at any moment, but he didn't. He did not resist. There was no yelling. No hostility, no cursing on his part, no demands to be released. Did you notice that? He never said to them, I demand that you release me. I have the right to do this or I have the right to do that. He never said anything. He was gentle and humble. Does this mean that he was weak or that he was frightened? Absolutely not. This was the same man who raised the dead who calmed the storm, who walked on the water, who healed the blind. How many times he faced the religious leaders without fear, without hesitation. He could have done that, but he chose to be gentle. Now the question is, and it should be obvious at this point, and I'm sure it is, how can we become more gentle? Or for some of us, the question is, how can we become gentle at all? <laughs> yeah. 
Are you gentle? That's rhetorical. Don't say anything. The people know you and I as gentle people. I think it would be fair to say that all of us, surely, all of us are gentle sometimes. Is that not a fair statement? We're all gentle sometimes. If Jesus were to show up today physically, he suddenly appeared right here, right in front of you. He was standing right here. Whatever you're thinking right now, whatever your attitudes were today or this week, if Jesus appeared and he were standing here physically, you could see him. Oh, we'd all become gentle lambs really quick, would we not? Yeah. Well, good news, bad news. He is here. You can't see him. But he is here. He is here, men, when you drive or we drive in traffic. He's there. He's right there. If you're a believer in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ is there. He hears every word that you say. Even worse, he hears every word we think when we get into traffic or we watch the news or we have conflict. Something that's easy for all of us to forget. How can we become more gentle or for some gentle at all? Well, Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 tells us, this is the Apostle Paul speaking here. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That famous statement, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. A song that we or words that we've made songs out of because it is so powerful. Rejoice in the Lord. In the middle of saying that, however, or immediately upon saying that, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And then he makes this startling statement attached to it in the next verse. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Rejoice, rejoice, be gentle. Isn't that interesting that he says that? He's not speaking just arbitrarily. I think these are, are connected to one another. Because when I rejoice and my mind is upon uh, worshiping God and godly things, I tend to be more gentle than when my mind is on worldly things. When I'm not rejoicing, when I'm frustrated or angry or mad or, or discontent in this world and what's happening in life in our nation in this world, when I see the injustice in this world and all of these things that come to, into our life or we're faced with temptation that is in our life and we, we don't want God anywhere near us when we're in the middle of sinning and so we separate ourselves whether we realize it or not. And we're not rejoicing. And our mindset is different. And our gentleness is affected. Then he says this, a little reminder. The Lord is near in verse 5. And interesting that he says that. It is a promise, but I think it's also a reminder. Don't forget when you're driving in traffic. And I say that because I confess to you all the time that I get mad in traffic. You know, I, I, there's a certain point where somebody cuts me off and I say to myself, you know, they may be 30 or 40 feet in front of me. I say to myself, well, that's just Metroplex traffic. And then there is a point to where they cut me off, and it's not 30 or 40 feet. It's more like three or four feet. And then I stop saying to myself, that's just Metroplex traffic. I start thinking to myself, that's a jerk. 
And there goes Jesus. <laughs> Paul says, no, you may not look at him. You may not acknowledge him, but the Lord is near. He's right there in the car. Be careful. Gentleness is not a trait, by the way, that is not taught by our country. You won't learn it at high school. You won't learn it at work. It is given to us. It does not come naturally, by the way. Did you know that? Some people are just naturally gentle. Mm, no, they learned that at some point. Somebody somewhere taught them that. And it is a gift of the Spirit. We'll get to that in just a minute. When my son Luke was young, and I mean young, maybe a toddler. Now he's six foot three now. But when he was a little boy, we had a dog named Dee Dee. I love Dee Dee. I, I had Dee Dee before Cherry and I ever met. And he was my dog. She, it's a she actually. Sorry. Sorry, Dee Dee. She was a, a girl dog in a stray that came up to the parsonage in the previous church that I pastored, which was more than a quarter century ago. And I just called her dog. And then when I would get mad, I'd call her dumb dog. Come here, you dumb dog. And I know I've told you about Dee Dee before. Great dog. And so the ladies of the church, of that church I was pastoring at the time, said, what's, what's your dog's name? And they saw that I had a new dog. And I said, well, her name is Dog. I call her Dog. And they said, oh, no, you have to give her a name. You can't just call her Dog. So, again, when I got mad, I'd call her Dumb Dog. And so I named her Dee Dee for short for Dumb Dog. <laughs> she didn't mind. It didn't bother her a bit. Dee Dee. I love Dee Dee. What a great dog. Now, by the time my kids were born, she was getting old and she finally died she's buried out in a little grave beside uh beside our property or beside the church you know, on the church property out here and that was a horrible day as many of you know losing a pet it's almost like losing a family member that was hard she had been with me for so long but when she got older and luke was born and he was a toddler luke would go over and pet dd Dee Dee. and i say pet it was more like assault for a toddler boy, you know what I'm talking about. He would just wail away on her, and I would say, no, 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 gentle, gentle. But he didn't get that. It just didn't come naturally. Funny, hitting the dog came naturally. Striking out, biting his brother or sister, that came naturally. But gentleness, not so much. I was always amazed, though, at Dee Dee. Now, Dee Dee was much bigger at the time than Luke. Even as an old dog, she could bite him or just tear into him, but she never did. At the very least, Dee Dee could just get up and go somewhere else and stop the beating. <laughs> but she would just sit there and take it. It was remarkable. She was gentle as a dog. That's why I, one of the reasons why I love Dee Dee so much. You get a dog that just snaps at you and growls all the time. I see these little chihuahuas. Now, I'm not anti-chihuahua, but good grief. If my dog is growling and threatening to bite me, that's the last day of that dog. Uh, you know, we'll find that dog another home. I want a gentle dog that loves me, that thinks I hung the moon, and that's what Dee Dee was. Gentleness was not something that Luke was born with. He learned that. So gentleness is something most of us have to learn. Once there was a frightened boy, for example, who said to his father, Dad, can you write in the dark? He was terrified of his dad. 
And the dad said, can I write in the dark? I, I guess I could. What do you want me to write? He said, well, I want you to write your name on this report card. <laughs> he was afraid his dad might not be gentle. In order for that to happen, though, for us to learn gentleness, we have to have a teachable spirit. You have to be willing to learn. If you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, that's just who I am. No, you have to be willing to be teachable. Spiritually, if you've gone about as far as you want to go, then you're not going to go any further accidentally and learn to be gentle. Paul was writing the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, and he says to them and to you and I, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility. Here's the word, gentleness and patience. And he says, clothe yourselves. First of all, that's a command. It's a directive. It's not a request. It's not an option. He's calling us, compelling us, ordering us to do that. And all of you wore clothes this morning. You put on clothes. Thank you. Appreciate that. And you put on clothes today. You clothed yourself. Paul says, just as you do this physically every day, that we clothe ourselves physically, he calls us to clothe ourselves spiritually as well. And here is the clothing that God's people are to wear. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. You'll never see a call in the Bible for us to clothe ourselves with, a with hatred or anger or bitterness or doubt or selfishness. Those are, that's the clothing of the world. God has called us to better clothing. It reminds me the story of the great African-American singer Marian Anderson. You may not remember her. In fact, I did not know about her until I read about her. <clears throat> she... Excuse me. <clears throat> she retired from singing in 1965, so I was only one year old. But she was one of the greatest singers of her day. Once in an interview, a reporter asked her to name the greatest moment in her life. Now, don't answer out, but I want you to sit there as I share with you about her life, about your own life. What would you sincerely consider the greatest moment, if you had to single it down to one, one time, one day, one moment, what was the greatest moment of your life? There were so many that she could have named. She could have said uh, uh, the night that conductor Arturo uh, Tuscanini announced a voice like hers comes once in a century. Or she could have talked about in 1955 how she became the first African-American to sing with the Metropolitan Opera in New York. Made history. Again, the following year, her autobiography became a bestseller. An African-American in the 1950s that became a best-selling author. Unheard of. In 1958, she became the U.S. delegate to the United Nations. Again, history-making. She could have talked about how she once gave a private concert at the White House for the Roosevelts, for King George VI, and for Queen Elizabeth of England. Surely, most people would have considered that the greatest moment of their life and career. Her hometown of Philadelphia once awarded her a, a, a local award 
as the person who had done most for their city ever. That was personal to her, and maybe that could have been the greatest moment. In 1963, she was, listen to this, she was awarded the coveted Presidential Medal of Freedom. In the 1963, how remarkable. Surely most people who have been given that rare honor would have said that was the greatest moment of her life. Or there was an Easter Sunday in Washington, D.C., where she stood at the Lincoln Monument and sang for a crowd of 70,000 people, excuse me, 75,000 people, which included cabinet members, Supreme Court justices, and most of the members of Congress. Surely that would be the moment, but it wasn't. Which of these moments did she choose? None of them. She quietly told the reporter that the greatest moment of her life was the day she went to her mother who had worked hard all of her life at a minimum wage job and told her she would not have to wash other people's clothes for living anymore. The greatness of Marian Anderson didn't merely stem from her extraordinary voice, but she had a gentle spirit that cared for others. She learned that from her mother. And then also remember today that the Holy Spirit produces gentleness. It is a product of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have any gentleness or you lack gentleness, then you lack a product of the Holy Spirit in your life. Gentleness is more than a good habit or a characteristic. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And of course, we know that from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, that famous passage about the fruits of the Spirit. No, I'm not going to sing the song, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says, against such thing there is no law. Remember, only the Holy Spirit can produce fruit in you. Only the Holy Spirit. And as a result, you can't say, well, I'm just not very gentle. That's just how God made me. Well, first of all, no, that's not how God made you. That's how your fallen nature made you. <laughs> I have people tell me that from time to time. Not all the time, but I've had a number of people over the years tell me, well, Pastor, that's just how God made me. That's just how I am. I don't know where you got that. Have you been reading the Bible? <laughs> That's not how you are. That's how you chose to be. You don't have to be like that. If you're not gentle and you're the opposite of gentle, you're harsh and brash and mean for you and me. We can choose not to be that way. Does it take work? Yes, it does. But the Holy Spirit is offering for you today gentleness. If you want it. Fruit is not something we do, by the way. It's, it's what we display from our inner spirit, from the Spirit of God. And I believe that gentleness also in your life can be powerful. That's why I named it this way, the power of gentleness. Gentleness can be powerful. Cherry and I, the kids, recently moved to a new house, and so we have a new neighbor. And our neighbor has a dog, a big dog much bigger than our dog. And uh, that dog, uh, her name is, um, uh, Holly is her name. So the neighbor told me the dog's name because every time I go outside, their dog barks at me. Bark, 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 bark. 
big old deep bark too, you know, not a little bark like a chihuahua. I mean, it's a, it's a deep, I'm gonna tear you up uh, bark. And they have a fenced in backyard, so the dog is always in the backyard. But every time I come out of my house, and I thought over the months, last few months, he would get used to me, and, uh, or she would get used to me and stop barking. I even call her by name, Holly, Holly, I'll wave to her, and she just barks all the louder. But when her owner comes out into the backyard, the moment the owner steps into the yard, Holly stops barking, and she's just as sweet as could be. You know, that's exactly how the Bible would describe the Holy Spirit in our life. If the Holy Spirit is there, if the Spirit of our Savior is present, then gentleness will overtake whatever aggression there is in our life. Recently, I heard a curious phrase. When describing horses that have been tamed, one site online referred to them as gentle, and I'm sure it's a common term. Even today, to break in a horse is to gentle him. The horse is still powerful, but the force is now under the control of the master. When God gentles us, we become powerful under his control. John Stuart Holden was a pastor and an author and a hymn writer in the early 1900s. Interestingly, he and his wife had purchased first-class tickets on the maiden voyage of the Titanic. But two days before the Titanic set sail, she became extremely ill, deathly ill. In fact, she had to have surgery so they couldn't go on the trip. They had to cancel. That ticket, or one of those tickets, is on display right now in a museum, I think somewhere in England. But he once was in Egypt and he met a sergeant. He was a pastor, by the way, preached many sermons, and he shared this event that happened in his life. He was in Egypt and he came across a man who was a new Christian, a soldier, and he asked the young man, how are you brought to Christ? And the young sergeant replied, listen to his story. He said, there was a private in the same company as myself who had been converted in Malta and I gave him a terrible time. I remember one night in particular when it was very rainy and he came in wet and weary from sentry duty. Yet, as usual, he got down on his knees before going to bed. My boots were covered in mud and I threw them both at him and hit him twice in the head with those muddy boots. But he kept kneeling and he kept praying. The next morning when I woke up, I found my boots beautifully cleaned and polished at my bedside. He said this was his reply to me. Uh, he said this was the young man's reply to me by cleaning my boots and it broke my heart. That day, he says, I was brought to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. What if he had become angry and thrown his boots back? What if he had reported him? He had the right to do that from this world's view but he chose to be gentle and it changed the man's life. You see, gentleness is powerful. Our world doesn't understand gentleness. It doesn't get it. But in Christ, it has the power to transform. So when you leave here today, if Jesus, who was more powerful than anyone and everyone, could be gentle, Surely you and I can increase our gentleness 
and let the world know there is something better than the hostility and the anger and the hate they see all around them. Pray with me. Father, as we come to you today in this time of worship, I pray that your spirit would speak to us even now. Reveal to us that we need gentleness, myself included. Make us gentle. Father, we acknowledge that we struggle because we live in a world that is not gentle. Everything that we see is hostility, anger, bitterness, war. The world does not understand gentleness. It is a harsh teacher and sometimes we let us we, we let it teach us the wrong lesson in life. Forgive us. Help us to come to you, Father. Your word tells us, your son calls us, come unto me and I will give you rest. We claim that today, Father. We come to you right now. Will you make us gentle? Will you give us a spirit of gentleness? Will you help us to replace that bitterness and that anger and that anxiety and that fear that is in our hearts and replace it with your gentle yoke? We are so burdened by this world. It weighs us down. Christ, we give it to you now. We take your yoke. We want your yoke. We want that rest. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Listen, this may not be a flashy topic, but it is a life-changing gift that other religions don't offer and they can't offer because the Holy Spirit is not a part of them. But through Christ, the Holy Spirit offers you gentleness today. It can change your life and it can change the lives of others. Will you allow that? Right here, right now. Accept that gift. Or pray, Lord, I pray as I'm commuting to work every day, remind me that your Spirit is with me. Your Son is with me through the Spirit so that I might be gentle and not hateful. Maybe that person at work that just makes your blood boil or at school or this problem that you have in your life and it just has eaten you up and has given you so much anxiety or broken relationship or disappointment that's in life and it has robbed you of your gentleness and you become so abrasive. Will you go to God right now and say, Father, forgive me, help me, come home to him. No one's looking around, would you stand? All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed, and as you stand, and maybe God is calling you to come and kneel and pray and say, God, help me to have a gentle heart. Or you wanna pray for someone else today. Or maybe God is calling you or your family to join with First Baptist Church. You just want to come down and say, Pastor, we'd like to become members. Or you need to surrender your life to Christ. Listen, you're, you're never going to succeed 
at the fruits of the Spirit without the Spirit. And you only get that through Christ. You want to come down and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. If God is calling you to make a decision today, right now, as we pray, this invitation is for you. You come.